0: Welcome to the Kesset Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and hope you enjoyed today's sermon. If you'd like to find out more about Kesset, you can head to kesedchurch.com or find us on Facebook. Good morning and welcome to Kessa Church. For those of you just joining us, uh, my name is Danny and I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, Today we're going to talk about some really important things. And uh, I'm just so grateful to the audience that uh, has really been building uh, throughout our online platforms, whether it is Facebook Live or Keset Online. Uh, it has been really neat to see uh, so many people chiming in. Uh, I want to just give a shout out, if, uh, if I can, to Steve from the UK. Uh, this is someone that everyone tells me uh, is, is watching every evening where he's at, so hey Steve. And uh, to everybody else watching, uh, outside of our time zone, we are grateful that you're here with us, and uh, we're just we're just excited to be in a community that can that can have real talks and engage in real subject matter like uh, like some of the stuff that we are going to talk about today. Uh, I also want to thank. Uh, Pastor Chris Potter for the last few weeks, I, I, I thought his messages were really timely, and I am so grateful to have a partner that uh, that can that can step in while uh, while I am uh, taking a kind of a mental break and also kind of gearing back up for whatever series God has next for us. So today we are going to launch perhaps the most complex teaching series we have ever stepped into in our church. Uh, and it's called kaleidoscope. I chose the verbiage of kaleidoscope because of course of the image that uh, a kaleidoscope brings to mind. Uh, a kaleidoscope and how it works internally is fascinating and I'll put this up. A kaleidoscope is an optimal optical instrument which has two or more reflecting surfaces skewed to each other with an angle. I also chose this word because of the beauty that these small uh, ancient instruments really bring forth when brought together the name kaleidoscope is derived from the greek words kalos which means beautiful and eidos which means form and of course we all know that a kaleidoscope brings forth uh, a really interesting and beautiful form Uh, even though it is using opposing views, opposing mirrors that are set uh, at odds with each other. And so this beautiful image and this name are going to be kind of the framework from which we're going to have some, I think, really timely conversations as a church. Now, up to this point... If you're new to Kesed, you may not realize that we have had a really strong track record of walking through all kinds of kaleidoscopic conversations. Uh, We did it uh, quite a while back when talking about how our personal trauma story, for instance, affects each of us differently in a series we did called Dragons and Dandelions. We also did it just a little while ago in a series called Tradition, Legend, and Lore when we walked with each other through what it means to worship and serve in the church even though we all come from different spiritual or even non-churched backgrounds. And then of course, we did it in the now infamous Chesed series, uh, when we talked about uh, what it meant for us to step into our own skin and evaluate why we believe the things we do, and that series was called Untethered. Uh, I think many of you may remember this image. This is a Dwight from The Office, and... Uh, He's uh, talking and says, I don't believe you, continue. And this was sort of the posture that we took during the series, this posture of being able to sit in difficult conversations, not shut down things we don't understand, but actually engage with one another, even when we, in our core, are just struggling to really try and connect. And so through all of these rather uncomfortable series, I have watched as God has built something beautiful. God has built uh, what I would call and what I hope all churches are, are supposed to be, which is a house of conversation. Kesset is a church... That, that exists uh, for all kinds of people from all kinds of backgrounds and it exists in such a way that they can bring forth who they are and how they are and they can have conversations with other people who bring forth who they are and how they are and they can sit in this kaleidoscopic place where, where their viewpoints are just staggeringly different. And yet, we have found over and over and over that the Holy Spirit has brought people together, that he has taught them, that he has moved them, and that he has enlightened them, and that he has transformed them through these very relationships. Perhaps one of the most commented on things about Kessid is the variety of people because of these kinds of conversations that attend, specifically... I hear this often how rare it is to find so many people of all ages in one place. Just just multi-generational. Every we try to do it all the time, but for some reason within our church community, it is just it has just blossomed. We have we have people in their in their teens and early 20s sitting alongside church with people in their late 80s and, and early 90s, and they're all learning and discussing and sharing, and it's just been a beautiful thing. And I think a lot of it is because of this house of conversation that that we have all been able to be a part of, experiencing the Holy Spirit building. Now, this is not because we have somehow within our church magically cracked the code of church community building. That is not what happened. Instead, what I believe is that Kesset Church has been taught by the Holy Spirit that we each bring a unique and valuable voice to the community that God is actively building. We value this. We 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 see this. This is part of our, our ethos. This is part of who we are as a church. We we see it, we own it, and it it's it's just it is what we bleed here. It's a beautiful part of, of this place. And I think that it it honors God, and I think because of it, we have this beautiful uh, privilege as a church community to walk into these difficult spaces like the one that I'm gonna lead you into. To today and have conversations that are that are rare that are special that that take a a, a level of, of self-understanding and a level of self-awareness that I don't think um, a lot of environments allow and so I want to say before I I kind of dive into this that I'm so proud to be a part of a church that can that can wrestle that can, that can argue, that can, that can passionately feel, that, that, that is willing to engage in uh, topics that, uh, that other people just, uh, I feel like, are afraid to engage in. And I'm, I'm just so proud of us. I'm so proud of, of the willingness that, that you all have to sit in that place. So wherever you are, and from whatever background you come, I just want you to know that you are welcome here. And that uh, your thoughts, your approach, your, your, uh, your engagement in this community is encouraged. And uh, I just want to, uh, I want to as the pastor of this church just officially tell you how much I love you. And how, uh, how, how just encouraged I am in the midst of so much chaos and so much unknown. To know that, that this place exists and that I get to be part of it. So this is a personal note from me to all of you. So, so thank you. Okay, so let's talk about Kaleidoscope. The goal of our Kaleidoscope series is to build upon the important foundation we have built throughout these other uh, series, these kaleidoscopic conversations that are kind of a mix of multiple worldviews and multiple perspectives. The goal of the series is to build on that, but take it even further. We're going to attempt... Over the next uh, over the next month or so, to dive into as a community the always controversial biblical topic of injustice, specifically racial injustice. This is something the Bible talks about greatly. It's something that is that is mentioned in in all kinds of detail. It's it, it there is material uh, for days within this beautiful book that we all love and hold. And yet, um, I've never been in a in a I've never been in a church, nor has this church that I help lead ever actually addressed this head on. Uh, and, and recently, perhaps more than ever in my life, I've just been uh, burdened by this sense that, that we as a church body are supposed to move in the midst of the Holy Spirit and what he is uh, bringing to our community and bringing to our body and we are supposed to talk about it. We are supposed to act as that house of conversation and be willing to discuss it, to look at it, to investigate it, to pray about it and to seek God's face all around it. Now, today's message, I want to be clear, is just a tone-setting talk. Uh, I, I don't think even for a second that I'm going to provide all kinds of new insight or answers to those of you who are at home or wherever you are watching, but I do believe that, that I can at least set a platform based on this other, these other teachings that we have brought into our community to to uh, create a space over the next few weeks that we can ask and hear from and experience some really beautiful conversations the space that we have within our church is good God is present and so I'm going to move on to this next portion of sort of tone setting for the series uh, sharing to you um, not only on behalf of, of uh, my calling to be a pastor but also just be on behalf of, of who I am as a, as a man on behalf of, of Danny. And I'm I'm hoping today that, that you hear that. And I think it it uh you know, it could be a, it could be for some a little different tone because normally I, I try to come with a lot of authority, I try to come with a lot of, of leading, but I'm I'm being honest with you today that um I am in a place of great curiosity. I am in a place of, of great questioning. I am in a place of great pondering. And, and sometimes that can be a scary place for pastors to be because it leaves all kinds of vulnerability. It leaves all kinds of space for people to, to, to find and discover uh, your, um, your, maybe your weakness or maybe things you hadn't thought about. And I think because of that, it keeps a lot of us from sharing and discovering in front of and alongside other people who, who probably find themselves in the same space. And so today I'm going to, in the name of vulnerability and in the name of my God, I'm just going to be curious before you. I'm going to, I'm going to expose where I'm at. I'm going to expose what it is that I am walking through and my hope today is that you, uh, that you, you take what's positive, you take what makes sense, that you ponder the things you don't understand, that you set down maybe some of the things that, uh, that, that, that you find that I'm, that I'm uh, completely sideways on, but that you at least participate in the conversation with me, that you don't disengage, and that you in your own place of curiousness ask um, some of your own questions and some of your own uh some of, some of the own, your own worldviews and some of your own uh, concepts about what is and what isn't. I, this, is, this is what we've been building towards. And this is what our community, uh, I believe, is supposed to be about. We weren't given this building by God in order to uh, protect it and to, to, to keep it uh, safe. and to, These are not things that I believe that God has called us to do. We instead are supposed to steward it for the kingdom. We are supposed to use it to influence and to help and to teach and to serve and to lend this is why we are here and so my hope is that that's a clear invitation for you to be a part i'm grateful uh if you're still watching the video i'm assuming you're still with me if you already hung up then uh i guess (laughs) hopefully you'll tune in back next week but if not you know that's okay because i only have 45 parking spots So that's just a little personal note between uh, those of you who've been attending a long time and myself. But all joking aside, in all reality, uh, my hope is that we all develop, we all grow, and that we're all willing to... uh, To participate in things even even things like this that are uncomfortable. Uh, I want to use a verse to set some context for uh, the tone that I hope we set during this series and the the story is in John chapter 3 and we're just going to read verses 1 through 3 and it's the story of a man by the name of Nicodemus. Now Nicodemus Uh, he was uh, a man of the Pharisees, he was a teacher, he was a man of of great repute, he was a man of of knowledge, he was a man of learning, he was a man of of high reputation, all these things, right? And it says that eventually, from the sidelines, he heard Jesus teaching, uh, perhaps in the synagogue, perhaps on the street, but he experienced something in his life through the teachings of Jesus that caused him to want to live out this, this place of curiosity that I'm inviting you to join me in. Yet he struggled because he had a lot to lose. And and as a Pharisee, to to go and and, and ask questions of this teacher that's bringing out all kinds of new questions and new thoughts and new worldviews puts his place in the world at risk. And so it says right at the beginning that now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night. I just want to pause here for a second and I've underlined by night. This, this is not appropriate uh, uh, a meeting uh, uh, scheduling, right? This is not appropriate uh, kinds of, of, uh, of proper established ways in which you go as a ruler of the Jews and approach a religious leader, specifically a rabbi of such great importance as Jesus was even at that time. But this man wanted to know who Jesus was and he wanted to learn about the things Jesus was saying but he didn't want to risk uh, other people knowing about the things he was curious about. He didn't want to, as I very, I hope, uh, honestly shared with you, he didn't want to expose his vulnerability, that that he was questioning things, that he was pondering things, that, that there was some cracks in the foundation of how he saw the world, and so it says he showed up by night. And he walks in and he meets with Jesus and he says right away through the name Rabbi that he he recognizes Jesus as the teacher. He says, Rabbi... We know that you're a teacher come from God for no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with him. He calls him by the name. He gives him the authority and then he honors the miracles that he had. Now we read verses like this and oftentimes we skip over something really important. This man just didn't like pop out of the darkness, sit down at Jesus's fire and starts off with the word rabbi. No, he had to set up a meeting. And then he had to show up, and then he had to make sure Jesus was even willing to have this secret meeting. And I just want to point out something specific once again about the loving kindness, the steadfast, hesed loving kindness of our God. And that's that even though this man shows up in secret, Even though this man shows up in darkness, even though Jesus saw him in the back watching and knew what was happening inside his heart, knew all these things, it's profound to me that Jesus still says, yes, let's meet, still invites him up to the campfire, still sits down, goes through whatever protocols they would normally go through, and then sits quietly and waits for this man to ask his question of curiosity, even in the dark. See, I believe Jesus has been promoting this idea of being a house of conversation, even within himself. He is willing to meet us in spite of our confession of fear or doubt, or even if it's completely backwards. He is willing to talk with us and share with us. And I just wanted to point that out in the character of who my God is and the character of of who Christ is, that he will meet you even if you show up in the dark. It's such a powerful, powerful thing. And so he says this, These are the, what he says, right? And then he says, I believe that all these things you're doing have to be from God and that basically you do these things and couldn't do these things unless God is with him. Next verse. And then Jesus answered him. And Jesus says simply, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus sets down all the presupposition. Jesus sets down all the cultural stuff. Jesus sets down all the things that this man brought with him. And he said, here's the deal. The only way that you can see what I am doing and see it as God, as if God is touching your life, as if he's touching your heart, as if he is removing those stone foundations, as if he's replacing your heart of stone with a heart of flesh. That's the only way you can see it. And so here's what you have to do next. You have to do the impossible. You have to be born again. You have to to literally have new eyes and new ears and new hands to be born again. You have to take a breath for the first time again. And the conversation goes on and we're not gonna list it here, but, but he begins to ask all these questions and, and Jesus answers and they have this beautiful, messy dialogue about what it means to stop and ask why it is you believe what you believe, to, to untether, to, to recognize all of the different cultural things that tweak your worldview, to recognize all the different religious things that tweak your worldview. And I'm telling you that as a, as a church person, as a, I hope, deeply spiritual person, that stuff, especially unfiltered, that stuff, without, without guidance, without help, that stuff can warp you in a way that actually turns your heart from God, that turns you into what the Bible calls a Pharisee, to where what you value is your religious system, instead of this born-again new and nakedness that Jesus was promoting as he humbly moved forward his agenda and his plan and his worldview this is a powerful powerful illustration and I think it's a beautiful tone for us to set as we move into this next portion of our talk. What Jesus recognized at the core of Nicodemus's heart was that Nicodemus knew he had a problem. Nicodemus would not have shown up if he didn't know that he had a problem. If he didn't know that the things that he had thought or the way that he had lived maybe, maybe didn't fit into the greater kingdom of God that this Jesus was teaching. But the profound thing that I think Jesus honored in the story of Nicodemus is that he still showed up. Is that even though it was dark and even though he arranged it and even though it was awkward and uncomfortable, he still showed up when so many others were watching from the distance, were seeing what's going on in the world, and then just never showed up. They weren't willing to risk the vulnerability. They weren't willing to risk the exposure. And so I believe that Jesus met Nicodemus where he was because he confirmed in Nicodemus that, yes, you do have a problem. And the answer to your problem is a death of the old self. This is a common theme throughout scripture and a brand new life and a brand new rebirth. Now, I mentioned earlier that over the years, Kested has had a slew of kaleidoscopic conversations, which have resulted in a wonderfully varied group of church members. I wanna to continue to honor that. I think it's really important that we recognize that. But this varied group of church members, as diverse as they are in spiritual backgrounds and ages, are still a group of church members that are primarily 90% white. This means, of course, that the majority of our understandings and the viewpoints that we filter this world through come from this this uh, this view this worldview. So, like with the past discussions, we're going to try and sit in this this place of uh, this place of of newness for some of us and see from another perspective. In essence, running out the illustration of the kaleidoscope, we're going to try our very best, and this is not easy to do, and I don't want to pretend that it is, and that's why I keep... uh prefacing with with what we're about to engage with over the next few weeks and the importance of the tone that I'm trying to set because what we're really admitting is that we have a prism that we look through this world at and there is another set of eyes and another set of of prisms in the kaleidoscope, kaleidoscope of God's kingdom that see the world from a different place. And we are gonna stop and glance into that world. It's a world that may even feel in opposition to our own. But that, I believe, when seen through the eyes of another person's perspective, could together with our own create an image beautiful beyond what any one side could create by itself. It could create, I believe, more of this beautiful form. This is the hope. This is the desire. And honestly, this is where I've spent... um, the last few weeks of my spiritual and emotional life living. I have, uh, I have had a lot of uncomfortable conversations with a lot of people uh, from all si- sides of this perspective, and almost all of them are people who are attending our church. This then led me to have a whole lot of uncomfortable prayers. Uh, a whole lot of time before God that I'm like, I, I think this might be too much for me. I'm not sure I have enough, uh, enough um, eloquence to share some of these issues and, and, and bring about the, the kind of healing and wholeness that I hope comes about instead of just more divisiveness. If I was being uh, continuing in my dangerous transparency, uh, I would admit to you that this resulted uh, in me having a lot of Nicodemus-style conversations in the dark with Jesus. And sadly, like Nicodemus, uh, I've heard from Christ that there is a problem. That, that, uh, that there, is, there is something beyond what I'm experiencing in my little world that, uh, that, uh, that I, am, I am just now beginning to have an awakening around. Now... I'm hoping, of course, that no one watching right now would argue that racism doesn't exist or that it isn't evil. I'm, I'm hoping and I'm believing that that, that that everybody out there watching right now and, and certainly every conversation I've had within our church uh, surrounds around people who, uh, who believe this, who truly understand this. And I'm also hoping that, uh, that there's enough leeway for people to to, to admit that they don't they don't maybe see it from all perspectives. I have personally, over the last few weeks, and also through prayer, come to a place within my own life. This is Danny sharing with you right now, to realize that I have uh, I have grossly misjudged uh, some of what I thought it meant to uh, to participate in and to. Uh, the experience of people who live in a world filled with racism now i want to say and I'm going to say this because it's something that came up a lot, especially when I'm talking with my white friends, that, that I don't believe I'm a racist. As a matter of fact, that's a common comment that a lot of white people use to, to prove they're not a racist. And it's the same thing I'll say to you right now, which is, hey, I'm not a racist. As a matter of fact, I grew up a lot uh, as a young child with many different black friends. I, I found myself many times spending the night and being the only white child, at the dinner table, and spending the night with, with, and going on family outings, and being the only white child at, at the, 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 the uh, family gathering, or at the park, or wherever I was with, with uh, my friends at the time. As a matter of fact, uh, and my, my um, I think it was my mom who reminded me of this, that uh, the only thing I didn't like about my African-American friend, TJ, uh, was that he had way more Ninja Turtles than I did, and I remember I've just, I've just never gotten over it. TJ. I just, you had them all, and you never shared, and it's something we should probably, Talk about uh, <laughs> 34 years later. So, uh, uh, but here's the thing. This is this is kind of the thing that that most people use to say, "Hey, I'm I don't I don't really think I'm part of the problem." And yet, I need to I need to admit to you today that that I think some of my limited uh, ability to understand uh, does make me part of the problem. Does include me in uh, not just the problem but also the solution. And so, this is some of the tone that we're going to set. In this series, and some of it uh, is going to be hard to hear, and some of it is going to be uh, is going to take a lot of prayer and a lot of uh, willingness for you to engage. But uh, but my hope is that you're willing to do it because uh, I have I have never felt more passionate uh, uh, about this topic than I do right now, and I think a lot of that's because of some stuff that died in my life, and some some really beautiful awakenings and some incredible conversations that I've had that have given me. A, better eyes to see so here's the thing even though I would say almost all of us watching would say oh hold on I'm not racist even though all of us would watching probably would say I I have lots of black friends and I have I have lots of uh, friends of different ethnicities and 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 Danny you might be you know kind of making this a little bigger than it is I just want to say that even though you love your fellow brothers and sisters of color uh, I, I think we need to understand that there is more to it than just that there is more to it than just uh, proclaiming, yeah, that's wrong, or proclaiming, oh man, that's terrible. There's, there is more to it than that. And I, I'm not gonna get into all that this talk, but I am letting you know that uh, just saying that you have uh, these friends and people that are a diverse group of friends doesn't mean that, uh, that you in some way like me uh, and your worldview might not be uh, participating in some really difficult things that are happening in other people's lives. And I, I believe that's a hard thing to hear, but I'm, I'm a, I stand by it, and um, I think it's important. And so this is, this is what we're going to talk about. Allow me to share how that's going to look. I want to share a bit with you about what I'm learning around this topic, and maybe it'll give you some good things to think about this week. First off, I'm learning that I need to do less talking and more listening. That I need to do less about what I have experienced and what I know and who I know and who I grew up with and way, way more listening. In each of my uncomfortable conversations with my, uh, specifically my African American friends, at one point or another, I would want to clarify or defend a position or perspective they had. At each point, I was like, well, hold on, have you, have you considered, well, hold on. And I've begun to realize through my study, through, um, through uh, research, through also asking good questions, that this is not helpful. This is not helpful at this point when trying to hear from another person's viewpoint. Second, I'm also learning that people of color respect the effort even if it's messy. This is actually a a quote from an African-American man just about that goes to our church because I said, man, I'm going to mess this up. I'm going to blow this up. And he said, Danny, listen, just the fact that we as a church are willing to have this conversation, this means so much to my family. This means so much to what is going on right now. And so I just want to encourage those of you that are listening that uh, you can have that conversation even if it's a messy one. You can show up in the dark Right, And you can sit with people. I think it's very Christ-like, actually, of a lot of African-American people that they're so willing to sit with you, even in the midst of, of maybe using the wrong verbiage or, or kind of sharing from a naive perspective, that they're so willing to still engage and to, uh, to, to be so loving and to be so gracious with those of us who are on this journey um, alongside them. This, to me, is what Jesus was all about. Uh, lastly, here's what I'm learning. I'm learning that oftentimes... It's more important to fully hurt with hurting people than it is to even fully understand their pain. This is, this is kind of pastoring 101. Uh, I, have never, I have never, for example, lost a child, but I know that the most important thing I can do when I come alongside someone who's lost a child is hurt with them, not try to understand what losing a child feels like. I, I can't understand it. I can't pretend to understand it. They don't want to hear me say, I get it. They just want to see and experience me hurting along. Side them. I can tell you right now that, uh, that as Danny Clinton, a 42-year-old white man living in Washington State, um, I, I admit openly I have never experienced personal racism. I, I, I can't relate to it. I don't understand it. I, it is, it is so beyond, um, these conversations I'm having are so beyond my, my, uh, my experience in life that the last thing I want to do is try to tell people, oh yeah, let me share with you some stuff in my world that's going on instead of just sharing with them in the hurt that they're experiencing in their world. Let me just share a couple stories that are personal to me that uh, that I have heard and that I have experienced in uh, within the last, I think, 12 to 18 months here at Kessid. The first one was when I was uh, a part of a coaching cohort and I had the privilege of going to sit with an African-American lead pastor who uh, led a church in Chicago of about 5,000 people or so. And uh, his church was a, a fairly high percentage white church. And uh, he, he was sharing about these different challenges, these different things. And he ended up sharing with us and it was rather casual. I kind of had to stop him and, and come back. But he was sharing how one of the hardest things that he realized was that, uh, that even though as the lead pastor, he would want to go and work with the banks on their building expansion and do all the different things that I have uh, you know, uh, the privilege of doing, he would, uh, he would not go to the bank because he found that when he went to the bank uh, to get a loan for their building expansion, he got denied. And I think he said he got denied two or three times in a row, even though he went back and reworked the paperwork like they asked, until he sent his white executive pastor and that was a few years into their church that at this point was close to 20 years old uh, and then they got approved and ever since then every single time that he would want to get a, a loan approved, he would send his 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 white executive pastor and they were approved for every loan that they that they had ever uh, applied for since then this this shook me I was like, nah that can't be real that's just you're just kind of spinning this and and he just kind of moved on in the conversation in such a way that it it hung with me. Uh, and I, I remember thinking, that's interesting. That's, that's an interesting world view. That's an interesting place that, that you find yourself. But it doesn't, I, I don't know. I just don't know. And, I, and I'll be honest, I just sort of set it aside. And then about I want to say uh, 10 months or, ago or so, uh, I had a meeting with a young man, about 30 years old, an African-American man, and a uh, Christian man, uh, just a, a beautiful soul, and uh, he was late to our meeting, and uh, when he got to the meeting, uh, there were a few of us there. He said, hey, sorry, guys, I was late. Um, I got pulled over, and it took a really long time, and I said, oh, man, he had problems with your insurance, problems with this, and he goes, no, uh, they, just, they just had to stop and search my car, And I said, what do you mean they stopped and searched your car? Was there a problem with your registration? Was there a problem? He goes, no. I mean, they pulled all the stuff out of my trunk and all the stuff out of my back seats and emptied my glove box. And it took a long time. you know. And then I had to put it back all in. And I said, well, I I don't understand. What do you mean they searched your car? Like, why? And he looked at me. And he goes, well, well, you know. And I said, I I don't know. I I feel so naive now in hindsight. I said, "I, I don't know. And he said, well, Danny, you know. I said, I I don't know. Now, I am in no way, there's many police officers that go to our church, and they're beautiful people, and as a matter of fact, all of the African-American people I talked to said uh, something to that extent, that there are so many wonderful policemen, but... This theme right here is something that uh, is profound in the African American community. And I know that we're experiencing a lot of that right now. And I know that I'm being provocative even talking about it. But this young man being late to a meeting with me because his car was searched affected me in such a deep and powerful way because if I was, to be honest with you, uh, some of you who knew me growing up, especially in my uh, late teens and early adult years, knew that I had a a small uh, road racing problem which meant that, that Danny, uh, and I'm so sorry if some of these officers are watching from back in the day, but uh, Danny had to have been pulled over at least six to eight times uh, a year for four or five years straight, at least, minimum. And I'm just sharing with you right now, and I checked with a bunch of my friends who ran cars with me during that time frame. I have never had my car searched, ever in all of those incidences. And I also want to admit, I was not the most respectful young man at the time. And yet, I never had any other experience but respectful policemen and, and, and uh, simpleness and a lot of tickets. But at, the po- at that point, that was my biggest concern. And so as he shared this with me, again, my worldview is tweaking, my understanding is tweaking. As a matter of fact, I had beautiful conversations with two policemen that go to our church, and they they, they affirmed in this beautiful way how, how delicate this situation is, and they also uh, affirmed how real this perspective is. Both of them shared with me that they have pulled over African American people who, honest to God, one one of the uh gentleman said I pulled over uh, a middle-aged woman one time because she had no brake lights and by the time I got to her window it it seemed I'm putting words in his mouth but he said she was near hyperventilating she was having a panic attack and he said to me Danny I could see the fear in her eyes all I was doing was pulling it over pulling over her car because of the brake lights but I could see that this is real this is real for her and he goes and I felt I felt so sad about the situation and again None of us know what to do, but it doesn't mean we don't go. Nah, that's not real. We recognize it, we own it, and we we ask questions around. Like a lot of people are, why is some of this happening? Why does this still exist in our community? The last uh, story that uh, that I want to share with you is uh, is just is just really more one of just me and this idea that we want to be a church that is a. Uh, that is multi-ethnic. This story that is that 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 we've been telling people, that we've been sharing with people, is a story that I have been promoting, which is that Kesed is going to be a place for all people. And yet, I've come to realize that uh, oftentimes, due to uh, my own ignorance, due to uh, maybe lack of asking good questions, due to whatever reasons that I'm still discovering, uh, I don't know if I've created a space that is that is a uh, I don't, I don't know if, if we've created a space that is that is quite as inclusive as it's supposed to be. I, I'm i questioning that, and I'm pondering that, and I'm, and I'm wrestling with that. And I've had a lot of people tell me, hey, this could blow your whole church up. And I've had people say, uh, man, what's this going to do to our momentum? And we're so close to the building, and, and yet I, I don't know if it's just where I'm at in my life. I don't know if it's the fact that we've planted this place from scratch, but but i'm honest about the fact that uh, i care far more about standing before my god even if it's in darkness sitting next to his campfire and uh being authentic about uh the things we need to fix around here than i'm than i am about uh whether or not we uh we 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 blow some people out that uh, aren't willing to at least engage in the house of conversation. All I'm asking you to do is be part of the conversation. I'm not not even asking you to agree. I'm not asking you, I was honest about this is where I'm at. This is my process. And uh, I hope that that you can participate in that. But uh, I believe if you wanna be in a community full of people that can't even talk with one another, that can't speak about issues the marginalized face, then you're not even in really a community because we all have folks in our lives that that, that sometimes need, a, need more than just a pat on the back, need more than just a, man, I bet that's really hard. And so I wanna be a church that's full of that. I wanna be a church that's wrestling with that. And I wanna be a church that's willing to set down my own worldview and experience it, uh, Frankly, uh, frankly, no matter what it costs me. So I hope you see the seriousness in my eyes because uh, it's a big deal, and uh, I believe that, uh, I believe it's what God's called and asked me to do, and I hope that you come and, and are a part of it with me. Now, you can, if you want, and I'm wrapping this thing up, you can, if you want, you can go, yeah, but have you considered, you could do this all day long with me, and you'd be right. There are many angles and many points to consider and argue and discuss, but Again, I'm not really asking you to argue or discuss. I'm asking you to listen. That's what participating in this series looks like. I'm asking you to listen even in complete disagreement. I'm asking you to hurt with hurting people. I'm asking you to, to be a disciple of Christ. As a matter of fact, at its very core discipleship is about decentralizing ourselves. This is what it's about at its very core. So I'm asking you to, to take everything that's bottled up inside you that you feel like uh, you need to share. I'm asking you just for a month or so to, to set it down, to decentralize, to, to look at it from a different perspective and to, to be willing to, uh, to experience it uh, in a new way. So This is my hope for the series. My hope for the series is that decentralizing of ourselves is exactly what happens. That we all, even coming from different perspectives, can join together to create this beautiful kaleidoscopic conversational form. To accomplish this, we're going to do three really simple things. First, we will be hearing from some other voices and perspectives, not just mine. We're going to put some folks on our stage that are going to share from different perspectives. We're going to put some some uh, information out there so that we can all kind of look at this from, from different angles. We will also be leaning heavily on the Holy Spirit to guide diverse conversations. So all my prayer warriors out there, this is the time. We need you to step in. We need you to step up. All of us, I ask as a church, I hope that we're on our knees and that we are really seeking the face of God. No agenda, no, nothing, nothing political, that we are simply moving in the gospel and in the messages and following the hands and feet of Jesus wherever it is he wants to lead us. Lastly, we will be doing the work of the gospel as we step into the shoes of others and so create a community for all and for God. My hope is that at the end of this, whoever is willing to be a part is exactly who God wants to be here. That we are diverse, that we are full of all kinds of, 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 uh, of uh, experiences and backgrounds and stories, and that none are weighed as more important or less important. I believe if we can do this, then we can find our way through. I believe if we can do this, we can create a safe space, not just for us, but for our children and our children's children. I believe if we can do this, we can bring glory to Jesus Christ. And it's going to cost us. I know this. Look, I get it. I get it. It's going to cost. And it, it, it may cost me uh Something more than, than I want to pay, but but the truth of it is uh, i didn 't get in to the ministry or become a Christian because it was easy. I got in because of all that Jesus Christ has done for me because of his sacrifice for me, because of the way that he took my story and the way that he continues to remind me of, uh, of how important it is to uh, to to love your neighbor and to, and to love him. And to be a part of the solution by allowing yourselves to be a part of the problem. And I believe that those two things are synonymous with what it means to proclaim who Jesus Christ is. We don't point fingers at other people. We put ourselves into the story. And through that place, God gets all the glory. Because can you imagine if something beautiful happened with messed up people like us? How incredible would that be? I believe that this is an opportunity. And so my, my prayer is that this week you pray a lot, that you're, that you're posting carefully, that you're commenting carefully, that you are thoughtfully uh, engaging with your brothers and your sisters of the faith, that you are willing to, to decentralize a bit in the name of discipleship and ultimately, of course, in the name of Jesus, and that maybe at the end we find ourselves sitting in a place of togetherness we've just never experienced. So that's my invitation. That's my, uh, that's, as, that's as about as authentic as I know how to be about what's going on inside my world and inside my heart and what I feel my God is calling me to be a part of. So I hope you're willing to, uh, to come and to listen and to, uh, to see what the Holy Spirit does with so many people responding together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I know that today we have, uh, we have laid out a, a lot. We have, we have opened up more than uh, perhaps we ever have before. And, and unfortunately, God, during this time, it all had to be done through a camera. I ask God that uh, as this message gets shared, that as people argue with it, as they rewind it, as they tear it apart, that, that Lord, you, uh, you would be the one who brings the enlightening to, to all perspectives. That you would continue to do, as we say all the time around here, great conviction, great beautiful conviction upon all of our hearts as we engage in, in, this, uh, in this time that we have, this culture that we have. I pray, Lord, that there would be a... Uh, a beautiful renovation and that we would continue to develop this house of conversation that, that you started so long ago When I asked, God that there would be a, just an incredible sense of peace, an incredible sense of calm and an incredible sense of questioning as we engage in this, uh, this desert out beyond us that, that we don't know how to survive. I'm grateful God that you do. I'm grateful you go before us. I'm grateful for the way that that you bring worship in the midst of the most difficult situation, for you are worthy of our praise. We just lift this time to you now. In Jesus' name, amen.